Welcome to the Dive into Reiki podcast. I'm Natalie, and together we will enjoy a series of conversations that explore the journey of Reiki practitioners and teachers from all lineages. 100% Reiki-focused stories, 100% human. Hi, and welcome to today's episode of the Dive into Reiki podcast, and I'm really grateful that my guest today, Carla Stangenberg, actually, and said yes to this invitation. She's a Reiki master who lives in Brooklyn. Her interest in Reiki took a quantum leap when she visited a yoga student in the hospital with an inoperable brain tumor. She witnesses a Reiki master treating her bedridden student as she entered the hospital room. Carla immediately knew she would pursue Reiki to assist in life's most difficult situation. She has been practicing Reiki daily since first initiated in 2009. And in 2016, she received the first of two master trainings. As a yoga teacher, she began incorporating Reiki into restorative yoga practice at Jaya Yoga Center in Brooklyn, established in 2000, where she's the co-owner, teacher, and director of teacher training. She also holds a BFA in acting and directing. Carla, thank you so much for saying yes to this invitation. Thank you for inviting me. It's uh, it's wonderful to be invited to uh, participate in your a wonderful podcast. I, I appreciate the invitation. Thank you, Natalie. Thank you, especially because a lot of guests I research and you just fell on my lap through an introduction. So I'm very grateful because I always want to do a podcast. A lot of Reiki practitioners are actually yoga teachers. And I always wanted that, hey, you know, can we do an episode to support their practice as well and how to integrate it? So I always ask, uh, the first question I ask is, how did you come into contact with Reiki and a little bit about your journey? Well, um, I really do like how we met too, by the way, (laughs) it's really fun. Um, you know, the first interaction that I had with Reiki, um, was a very long time ago. What I mentioned in my, in the bio was a little bit more recent history, but the first interaction I had with Reiki was through a friend of mine who I was going to theater school with. And, um, she had a what turns out to be a Reiki master friend of hers from Seattle, Washington area. And the first Reiki treatment I ever did or ever received was, you know, a quote unquote distant Reiki session um, where I got on the phone with this woman and uh, told her what was going on. Then I lay down and I had quite an impactful experience. And, um, I was stunned and surprised and I am not sure I even knew she what she was a Reiki practitioner. Um, I just knew that I had this tremendous experience and then going back over it, I was like, oh, reading her bio years later, probably she was a Reiki practitioner master. Um, But the most important one was when I had the experience with my dear student in the hospital who did have that inoperable brain tumor. And I came into the room, the hospital room to pay her a visit. And actually um, her husband had asked me if, if I would come and if I would bring her a bolster, uh, a yoga bolster, which is what we ended up, I ended up using in Reiki and restorative classes. Um, I saw the Reiki master with her hands on her head And I was like, what is this? What's going on here? 
And she said, oh, I'm giving her a Reiki treatment. And I just thought the light went off. I was like, oh, that's, I want to do that. And I even said to uh, the woman, I said, um, well, can I do that too? She said, of course you can. I can train you to do that. And so that started that started a nice relationship with the person that initially gave me level one and uh, level two, which has brought me to where I am now. It's a very poignant story because a lot of us, we go into Reiki because of stress. This was, is really like a moving beginning to your journey. Very beautiful. Yeah, it, it was really moving. I mean, unfortunately, um, of course, she left her body because it was inoperable. There was nothing that could be done. Um, and to see it in that clinical um, environment, I don't even know. It was just like I was pulled, you know, because there's so many things in the way in a hospital. Um, but it was a direct connection. And uh, I just, I actually, at that moment, I took it as literally a sign and uh, I followed through. So here I am now. And you also have done a lot of silent meditations in the Buddhist tradition, right? So you start probably studying Reiki, probably Western, if I'm not wrong, like, because most of us start that way. And then you have your Buddhist tradition. How did that start impacting your Reiki journey? Well, um, you know, the, uh, originally the Reiki um master that I studied with, she is a um, traditional Japanese master. Okay. Um, so I don't know about the the Western. I'm not sure okay. about that. You start from the beginning Japanese. Okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah. Um I, I don't consider myself a scholar of the Reiki canon of information that's out there. I consider myself um just a deep practitioner. Um, and I think that there's a difference for me because like, you know, I, all of the history, I'm, I'm good on the history. I'm not great on the history, you know, uh, but I'm, I'm very deep in the practice. Um, but with regard to the meditation retreats, yeah, I, I mean, I've been for many years, I've been meditating because I'm also a yoga practitioner and teacher. And um, getting silent for, you know, a week, 10 days at a time over, you know, two times a year for several, many years in a row, it does something to a, it does something to a person. Um, getting silent, getting quiet, going inwardly. That's the point of all of these, uh, potentially, um, life-changing uh, practices. And what I find with my Reiki practice is I do consider myself, it, I'm a meditator. Uh, I, I meditate. I meditate on the Hara while I uh, have my hands on or over somebody. So to me, they're very, they're very the same thing. And they're, I mean, they're both basically Buddhist practices. And um, that's how I treat them. The ability to get quiet for a prolonged period of time, the ability to hold oneself basically still um, with hands on or slightly over a person's body, 
I mean, you have to get quiet. You have to be still for both of those things to happen. So any way that we can train our minds and our bodies and our nervous systems, obviously, which is really in control, then, you know, do as much of those things as you possibly can. You know, sitting still, being still and being as dredging up as much consciousness, awareness as possible, and physical sort of palpability, like you can feel yourself being there. Um, the Anapanasati practice, the mindfulness of breathing practice, and the um, Joshin Kokyoho practice, I see no difference. <laughs> I, they're the same to me. So it was a wonderful um, cross-pollination of practices. And furthermore, to weave it into yoga, <laughs> um, pranayama slash, you know, breath work, it's this, to me, it's, there can be different topical, technical things that are slightly different sure, what you're doing with your attention, how long you hold the breath, how much you manipulate the breath, but at the root of it, it's a consciousness paying attention to breathing. So at the base of it, it is the same. Um, so they just, all those three, the, I got to bring the yoga in too, all those three just overlapped and they make so much sense. It's like, it's like a braid, you know, one's two, three, one, two, three. And then it makes this very strong rope of a practice that does keep me tethered. I, I need all three of these practices. Meditation, which of course is part of yoga. Um, yoga, just the whole scope of it and Reiki. I sometimes joke when uh, we are giving, uh, doing these Reiki restorative events that we do, that we are actually we're just elite meditators, us Reiki practitioners. We are elite meditators because that's what I train my students and people that I train. Mostly I en encourage them in the direction of like meditate. You don't know what to do with your mind? Meditate on your hara. Call it a day. That's and focus. Um, so I like that. Elite meditators. That's that's what I feel like us we are. I, and I love it. And I think it's a New York saying, like, we need quite, I need meditation, I need martial arts, and I need, for me, Reiki meditation, pretty much the same, but I need more than one thing to stay grounded. And I love one thing that you said, a deep practitioner is a beautiful definition, which is really understanding a practice through literally practice. Mm -hmm. And we can know the history, but yeah, sometimes we get too much in our brains. So I really appreciate that concept of deep practitioner. It's very beautiful. Mm. Good. Thank you. Thank you for uh, reflecting that back to me. It is, um, it, you know, what I like about our being deep practitioners is actually the practice stays the same, right? But I just keep, we just keep, you know, going further and further and further, but it's the same technique. It's the same tool. It's like a, um, a drill bit, the old fashioned kind of drills. You would just drill and drill and it keeps going and going and going and going. There is seemingly no end to how much we can pay attention, how much we can be present and, you know, how, how deep we can go with this. And which is just an outer, to me, it's just an outer expanding level of the Reiki energy, the pranic energy, the, you know, 
all of the same word, all of these different words for a very similar thing. Reiki, prana, um, the chi in the Chinese, lung in the Tibetan. It's, you know, if you want to really split hairs, maybe there's a difference, but for all intents and purposes, I'm more of a bridger of gaps and a bringer together than a, it, this is different than that. You know, it's like, where do we find the holistic connection is what, what, what I'm after. And I think you also mentioned stillness of mind, right? Like that is a connector. And, and a lot of times in Reiki, you want to manipulate and do things. And actually it's really about stealing that mind so the energy can flow and things happen. And which for us, especially as New Yorkers, it's hard to let go of control. So it's a very healthy practice, but also it's, that's why it's simple, but so difficult, right? Letting go and stealing the mind is... Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, it's not. It's certainly not easy. Um, and and maybe as New Yorkers, that's what makes it interesting. It's like, oh, this is a, aha, a challenge. I will take on this challenge. And the challenge is to, you know, what you're just saying about um, about this letting it flow, you know, letting this Reiki flow. So I am, and I believe I heard Franz say this, um, and this is why his teachings, one of the reasons his teachings have been so impactful and was that we are not the, he, I'm not a healer. When he said that, and I heard it, I was like, that resonated so much. I am not a healer. The body heals itself. It, it's like we get to be a channel, a conduit where I am practicing literally undoing the grip of my jaw, my tongue, my throat, my eyes, my shoulders, my hands, so that we can flow and undulate with it. So it comes through to this body where my hands are on or slightly above and the body this amazing evolution of cells etc knows what to do with the energy i don't i'm i'm not like like i don't get i don't get signals i don't get um knowing i'm not a medical intuitive you know i don't know basically and but i know that the body knows and I'm just trying to get out of the way. That's why meditating on the Hara for me is, is just the clearest, clearest, most direct way. Then I don't have to worry about myself and I don't have to try to diagnose anybody because I don't know what's wrong with them. Anyhow, I have no idea. Frankly, I don't, but I know some people have that, that um, gift. It's just yeah. not the one that I have. So I just try to calm myself, clear myself and be a conduit. And, and I think that's important. Like at the end, that's a gift that could have some Reiki practitioner, but it's not part of Reiki practice. We don't need to know. Right. And I think I really appreciate you saying that because a lot of people, they're really like, oh, I don't feel anything. A lot of Reiki practitioners don't feel anything. You're not supposed to feel or have those intuition. That's a, perhaps another gift, but stillness is the core. So I really appreciate you opening and saying that. I don't feel very much lately either. At the beginning I felt and now I'm like, I, because if if I feel I'm not still, like my mind is distracted. So I mm. think it's a very strange thing, but yeah. It's interesting what you say, because if you feel, then you're not still. And then if you feel, if we feel, if I get some like hunch or something, then I might glom onto it. And yeah. then it makes me cr clamp down, which is not the point. Trying exactly. to, I'm trying to let go. I'm trying to 
receive and let go at the same time. So the hand has to be like this. I'm receiving and I'm letting go at the same time. That's our hands aren't like this. Our hands are like this. Open and relaxed. I love that. <laughs> totally. And going on the importance of the body, because I think that's, again, when you're a yoga practitioner, it is, but uh, you did some classes, uh, some work with Wendell, and when, sorry, I'm pronouncing that name very badly, Wendell Beavers, Wendell Beavers, can you? Wendell okay. Beavers. Perfect. And you said that he brought up what felt like an innate gratefulness and confidence in being my own body and exploring it. I saw that sentence. And it was what came through the writing. I was like, wow, this is there's so much depth and beauty in it, especially in a society where most of us are trying to change our bodies or we're not comfortable with bodies or in spiritual practices, the body gets in the way of spirituality. So I wanted, uh, like, really struck me, like, so beautiful. So if you can elaborate on it a little bit. Uh, I just, I'm so glad that you brought up that, that line um, because when I moved to New York, I went to theater school at NYU and Wendell Beavers was the teacher of um, my movement teacher. First class, first day I had Wendell Beavers and, you know, I was young, I was in my twenties, et cetera. And um, as it turns out, he actually is also a Buddhist <laughs> who okay. now who teaches at Naropa, and maybe he is retired by now, but he is Buddhist. And he taught us this process of getting in touch with the body called developmental movement, which is how the body learns to from a from the moment that it comes out of the womb to um rolling over to lifting the head to crawling to you know the whole development of so we spent many 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 days many months on the floor basically rolling around wow. and through that almost i this sounds cheesy but i'm going to say it anyhow it's almost like a rebirthing process like going back over the being in a body and reclaiming it so that is what he delivered to me just through his regular class of training an actor to have a good sense of their body. And what that process did, it dismantled some of a lot of ideas that I had about how a body should be it dismantled a lot of patterns that I had in movement. Um, and so it was really just like a little bit like being born again. That sounds so cheesy. I know. It's, but listen, life has cheesiness in it. It's, it's true. <laughs> but um, I think that, you know, and I think innately, if there is anything that everybody is entitled to, um, we're entitled to the sense of being very deeply connected to the body. So not just living from here up, but just feeling through the whole thing, immersed consciousness throughout the whole thing. Like you said, sometimes we are just very intellectual about the practice and waiting and sort of calculative, you know, like, oh, well, it should be like this. It should be like this. It should be like this. When actually, if we could just 
let the mind sink and come through all of the fingers, all of the toes, all of the pores, every strand of hair. And then we could have an experience that we couldn't actually conjure intellectually. It's completely different. It's it's very much the just the animal body, you know, this beautiful organism that has um evolved for tens of thousands of years without our conscious manipulation, you know, and it's still, it's still evolving. It's yeah, it is. And it's funny. And this is unrelated, but so I was reading how actually when you age, we hate that little belly that we have, but the yeah. little belly is actually helping uh, keeping the estrogen stable. So oh. there is a beautiful reason for that little belly. And I, I was like, well, if we knew more about all the wisdom of the body, you will be grateful for that little belly because it's actually keeping your mood stable and your body and your bones, everything well. So mm-hmm. even and sometimes I think we don't explore, as you said, and I love that by exploring the belly, understand it better and, and developing gratitude for me, even that little belly that we made this life, but it's actually protecting us and keeping us grounded and well, you know, it's, it's interesting from, yeah, I, I was I agree. the body. So discovering the body for me through martial arts was like also life-changing and when I read your sentence, and I, a lot of, and I think, again, I come from a very Catholic uh, Western religion. And for us, the body is in the way, like spiritual life starts when you die and you're preparing for that. And sometimes right. I see the influence on Western Reiki that we want to avoid third eye, we live with the angels. But things, magic happens in the body, right? They happen here. Absolutely. I mean, uh, yes. It, it it kind of only the only way for us to notice the magic that does happen is through the body. Yeah. If you don't have a body, you can't notice it, you know. And this moment, it, 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 I'm very on this like right now. This is it. This is the gift. Yeah. This is the miracle. This is it. It's not when I open my chakras or I open my nadis or I have a super, um, what, you know, a, uh, a, 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 an experience that seems outer worldly where I leave my, I don't want to leave my body right now. I want to be in it because this is where the amazing stuff is happening. Just in just simple, simple physical functions, right? Simple physical functions. Um, I got a boo-boo on my knee. It's healing. That's a miracle. Um, you know, I, I can, I blink my eyes every time that I need to, to re, to relubricate the eye. Miracle. I had breakfast. I'm digesting. I don't have to think about it. Miracle. You know, it's hair growing. Miracle. You know, and it's not, I don't want to, I don't want to jump out of it. I want to, I want to, I'm in it for a reason. Let me take a good look around inside it and what I've set up myself around me to, to observe what is happening. This is the lesson. These are the, the, this is the place of growth right here, right here. Yeah. I don't have a lot of time for, I mean, I've done lots of meditations on all sorts of things and they're cool and it's great. But right now where I am in my life, it's like, now the miracle is right now. It's, it's nowhere else. And 
you know, walk outside. The sun is in the sky. Miracle. There's a sky. Miracle. I can breathe. Miracle. It's just all around us. There's not anything else that I'm going to do that's going to make this moment even more exciting. No matter. It's just not. It's amazing as it is. I'm hiding what you're saying so much. It's very precepts just for today and be grateful. But also it's funny. I went to, because I work and I went to an event and with all everybody full of makeup and it was daytime in a warehouse. It was very strange. And I'm having, I don't like crowds, never did it. So I'm in the event. Everybody's like, woo, singing. They're singing Despacito, whatever. I go out and I'm in like East Chinatown with everybody wrinkly and picking up cans. And I found like, this is so much more beautiful. Natural walking on a street felt so much more beautiful than all the makeup and the lights and the songs. And I think as we practice, like we can see the magic or the miracle, as you said, in very little things, even in sitting still and feeling our body. So I'm hearting and you just communicated so well. Thank you. Oh, good. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for asking poignant questions and bringing up things that matter. Yeah, it's... (laughs) But uh, so I wanted to work a little bit and go a little for the practical side because you're also a very practical person, right? You put your center, like you're also probably very grounded, very much in the Hara, moving from the Hara. But for those people who have a yoga practice and perhaps they're doing a Reiki one, Reiki two, well, how will you perhaps a few tips for them to start integrating the two practices and perhaps how can they benefit one practice from the other? Okay, so first thing I would say, first thing right off the bat, if you are a Reiki practitioner, level one, level two, whatever, in Shavasana, put your hands on yourself. Bottom line, like just do that. Just do that. Put your hands on yourself. Why? Because if you hit the mat every single day, great, got the discipline. And you're looking like, oh, how do I get the discipline? I'm supposed to do all of these spots on my body every day. Forget it. Put your hands on your hara. Do your Reiki practice in Shavasana. It is, in my opinion, it is totally legal. It is totally legal. The second thing I would say is, you know, when you're going to sleep. (laughs) I mean, I can't tell you how how often I go to sleep like this, or again, the hara, or on whatever little part of my body that is ailing me. Um, So so that's, I mean, that's just baseline. If you're a yoga practitioner and you find yourself in a class all the time, great. We always do shavasana. If you find yourself in classes that don't offer shavasana, find different classes to take. Because shavasana is important. (laughs) I have no idea there were classes without shavasana. Is that... Well, you you never know. You never know. (laughs) You never know. You never know. Um, I could think of a couple, you know, places that, you know, they shall remain nameless. Um, But if you are a Reiki practitioner, that's a great place to start. Um, And to to just to go like this, to to weave it together. Um, You know, the other thing is, is that Um, well, you know, I do Reiki with restorative, with restorative yes. yoga. So do you know what restorative yoga is? Yes. I'll tell. Yeah. Tell me, I know, but yes, yeah, better to explain because some people may not know. Yes. Um, so restorative yoga, um, one of the ways to practice it is, um, how I learned with the Iyengar Institute, wherein you use 
bolsters and blocks and blankets to prop up the body. So you create almost a lot of the postures are supine. Many of them are also standing and stuff. I focus on the lying down ones when I do Reiki, but you're creating like a cradle for the body. And it's not about stretching. It's not about trying to get a workout. It's not about doing, you know, it's about just letting these props hold your joints up and a a comfort that comes with that. Similar to Shavasana, where Shavasana is not falling asleep. That's sleeping is one thing. Shavasana is another thing. If you're tired, fall asleep. That's fine, but it's not Shavasana. But it's keeping the mind present. And then sometimes restorative postures are used to prepare the body for pranayama practice, the yoga breathing breath work practices. Um, But I use them for let's do, let's do Reiki. So you can set yourself up in a restorative posture, Supta Baddha Konasana, um, uh, Supta Virasana. And again, just put your hands on your body. Um, If you are a practitioner also, maybe before you start practicing, you do, you know, go Kai always do your precepts. Repeat your mantras, imagine the symbols, and then launch into a sun salutation. You know, you can very stealthily um, uh, frame a practice at the beginning and at the end. Five minutes, five minutes. That gives you 10 minutes of Reiki practice. And um, the other thing is, you know, you know what I would do really? If 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 you have a buddy, if you have a friend who you two did Reiki one together or Reiki two together, you have a friend and you love yoga and you know a couple of these restorative poses, set each other up. Set one up in Supta Baddha Konasana or whatever your favorite posture is and put your hands on them. Five minutes, do a trade, five minutes on the head or wherever, you know, Biosyn, wherever you want to go, wherever it feels like the right place to go is. Um, and that could help you. You will need you need a partner for that, though. And I think when it comes to the, you know, the Reiki, it, if you want to take it to that next level, you you work you partner with somebody and the restorative. And you can always just put your hands on on yourself in any in any posture, in particular the restoratives, because you're going to be there for a little while, five, ten, sometimes fifteen minutes. Um, the tell me, do you have a question? No, I have a question. No, I was thinking how beautiful it is because we always try as teachers to have like your groups of Reiki 1 and Reiki 2 become a little bit of a family. But I yeah. think it's, it's a good reminder because most of them perhaps they do it the first few weeks and then they forget about their Reiki pals and, yeah. and like, oh, I cannot practice on anyone. So I think it's a fantastic reminder. But I also had another question because I'm first of all, I'm in love with what you said because I think people struggle for a daily practice and this is not only integrating it, but it's like also helping you to get that Reiki practice. And, and again, it's not so much about time, but do a few minutes every day is more important and then keep it growing. But also, for example, if I'm a yoga teacher, um, you know, and I'm going to offer restorative with Reiki, like imagine like you do, I was thinking, what are some of the don'ts? Like going the other way around. Like, like if I'm a teacher and I have my people propped up in restorative, uh, what perhaps two things I should do and two things I should not do Well, you should, they should know what they're signing up for, first of all. So uh, 
you know, so make sure they know if you're going to be giving them Reiki. I mean, that's what I learned. You know, it's that they there should be a little bit of consent with it. You know, like you have to say like, okay, because some people maybe they don't know and they think it's some witchy thing or they don't understand that. And nobody don't spring the Reiki on anybody. And I think that's fair. So don't not tell them. Do tell them and don't not tell them. Those are like, yeah. I can't think, you know, Reiki is one of those things where it's like, and restorative. So don't stay in it in a posture, even if it's supposed to be comfortable, but you're uncomfortable. Okay. If you're uncomfortable, something's wrong. Yeah. That's the body is telling you. you. You're looking for signs and signals. The body and discomfort is telling you, I need to shift or adjust. So you just have to hope that you have a, that the teacher is skilled enough to be able to help you adjust or you're skilled enough with yourself that you can adjust the posture, whatever it is. Um, I think that, I mean, I can't think of anything, any other real don'ts, you know, I mean, don't drink before you practice, you know, like, you know, there are obvious things. (laughs) You're going to laugh, but once I got a client, it wasn't a client, but she came for a session and she, wrecked of alcohol and she was like sorry with alcohol that so it's it seems like obvious but it's not right right obvious I've had that I've had that before too yeah 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 don't no drinking and yoga or no drinking and Reiki not a good combination you know yeah it's it's yeah you're right that's kind of obvious to us maybe but maybe not to somebody else because somebody the person that came and had a drink prior to the experience was just like, just like, whatever, I had a martini, you know, like, it was, it's like a normal thing for him. Like, I just had a martini. What's the big deal? You know, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> okay. All right, then. Um, do come with an open mind as best you can, you know, and, and that's like sort of the ideal, right? I, my mind is open, but I've got all these sutures that are keeping me intact, you know, so as 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 open-hearted, as open-minded as you can be. And to the possibility of, hey, this might, something might happen here. I'm, you know, I might, and and I also if you're a practitioner, I think it's really important to say it might not feel like anything. And what I often say is it, it's like, yeah, is it, is I say it's like, you know how water doesn't taste like anything really? It might be like like water. It's not like Kool-Aid, which tastes like sugar, you know, or lemonade that tastes like lemon, you know, or tea that has milk and honey in it. And, you know, those things are more flavorful, but it might just be like water. So. And and finally, just come to these experiences as much as you can and get more Reiki and practice more Reiki, because the more even as subtle as it is, the more we come back to it, the more we get used to it, we acclimate to it. And then we realize it's like, oh, actually it builds up in the body. And I, and my capacity to feel and sense changes subtly over time. The nervous system changes. And we can feel and experience what we couldn't before, even though the same thing is happening, it seems. But we change. Our, our, our cells, our nervous system, we change. 
ありがとうございます。ありがとうございます。ありがとうございます。ありがとうございます。ありがとうございます。ありがとうございます。ありがとうございます。ありがとうございます。ありがとうございます。ありがとうございます。ありがとうございます。ありがとうございます。ありがと
Now I have my altar over here. I light a candle and I do the precepts, you know, every day, sometimes in the mirror, hold myself accountable, you know, like this is what we're doing. We're I'm build, we're building our capacity to handle the download of the Reiki. We're building our capacity to, to feel, to sense. We're building our capacity to share ultimately to help. That's beautifully said because I think we all, I always say like practice, 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 but you're putting it in a why in a very uh, interesting and very clear way. So I appreciate that very much. So you have done a lot. You have said a lot. You have like yoga centers that you call and direct, and you also are a Reiki teacher. Where are you going? What is, what is your next goal or ambition or what beyond being present, which I know is probably a big one. Yeah. Any dream that you have that you would like to share or any plans? You know, um, Natalie, I, it's a, it's a really a good question. Um, right in this moment, um, I, I, I mean, I feel like I'm doing like everything that I want to do with my practices. Um, you know, maybe a pipe dream would be like to write a little bit, to have some writing, to get some, to get, to get clear in the skill of communicating um, through the written word what um, I am doing with these practices that and with story. Um, but I mean, I, yeah, I feel like the journey is probably there. Um, I mean, I've done teacher trainings and like I'm attuning somebody on Friday, you know, like it's like all, all of these things are constantly happening. Um, better relationships, um, maybe an expanding network of people. Um, yeah, I, and to honor what I hear, if I could get better at honoring the messages that I get, that I get, that I'm currently getting, and not brush those for my own self, for my own growth and evolution, and not brush those under the carpet, that would be a goal for me. I can help you, and I can help, you know, but sometimes I push myself to the side, quite frankly. And uh, that might be the area to steer my little, my little vessel. Like, you know, I've done a lot. And uh, to, to honor the direction that I'm sort of being nudged in, that I'm trying to like, no, <laughs> like, I don't want to go that way, but to, to go. That's if beautiful. that makes any sense. I don't know. That, that makes perfect sense. Yeah. And I think it's, I think it's very beautiful because in not in others where you are, you're like grateful where you are, but it's like, yeah, it's, and I think it's going inwards, right? What we're talking about really connecting and going inwards and, and listening. So it's just a deepening of your practice, which, you know, it's a beautiful goal. So thank you for sharing. I end every interview with a question. So when people look at you and honestly, if you live anywhere in New York, I'm now encouraging like everyone to go and check uh, Jaya, Jaya Yoga. I'm very bad at pronouncing the J's and the the, the, the Y's. You're doing um, great. All the, inform the information on the notes. Um, but 
if people look at you, it's like, oh, Carla, she has studied in Buddhist meditation. She knows all the asanas, whatever, what asanas that I can never pronounce. She's also a Reiki teacher. I'll never be like Carla, right? They're seeing you now. So I like for everyone I interview to share like one little oops, perhaps at the beginning of their Reiki practice, or it can be the yoga practice that may have been an oops, but it was such a kind of like lesson that it was totally worth the oops quality of it. Let me think. Um, yeah, I I think an oops for me is um, actually having a little too much patience, which is sounds. No, 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 no. We get it. I think most women will get it. Yes. Yeah, it's like um, with. Um, Maybe, you know, a teacher that I had before, I was a little maybe too patient and could have springboarded to a, a different teacher sooner. And I, it would have been less um, sort of chaotic and confusing for me. And to listen, to listen again, like I was just saying, to listen to the inner guidance. Because if we don't, when I don't listen to my inner guidance, then I sit and I stew in a situation for too long in the name of calling it um, being patient when I'm actually getting stagnant. So, yeah. And so patience and stagnation, you know, like the, the, the connection can be very subtle, but it's there. And, um, you know, really read the signs, read the symbols, read it just, yeah, I got stuck, but I did dislodge, but. No, that that is, I think also, again, patience is a quality that's been like, a little bit like feminine, you have to be patient. We've been raised to be patient. Yeah. And I had never heard it together with stagnation. Like maybe that's something probably most people have felt. But when you say like, be patient, but not stagnant, I think that is such a gift for everyone to hear because I think, yeah, it's, oh my God, that one hit home. So then very moved. Thank you. Oh, good. It's, it's a thing though. It's, it, yeah. it really is. It's like, I think that we can, I mean, we can be too patient, you know, even though it's a virtue, right? It's a virtue until it becomes a darkness and a, and a black hole that sucks you in. Yeah. And the other one that's come to me is avoidance, right? Sometimes we're patient because we don't want the confrontation. That's right. That's right. That's you can right. see it home because I'm like, oh, I like picking <laughs> my head. You know, amen. It's it's so true. It's true. Well, you're calling out like it is. And this is great because, you know, I think a lot of us in the Ricky saying we start taking the precepts of like, don't be angry, don't be worried. And we may go into that place that looks like patient, but it's, it's not, it's not truly embodying. It's more like, oh, I'm peace and love. But sometimes we need to have like, there is this deity food omnia. That has a sword, and sometimes we need to cut through BS, right? We need That's to right. move on. So, I, yeah, I love what you shared that oops, because it is also it's a very personal oops. So, I really enjoyed it. <laughs> you got it. <laughs> Thank you. I've really enjoyed this. I really appreciate and I feel humbled and, and beside myself with your having invited me just after our short interaction with Franz. It was uh it was a good, a good, good connection, I feel, between us. Yes, I just I'm reading a book and there is this concept Japanese called N. And N is a connection, but you have to have the intention to tap into it. And I think we had this N 
this opportunity mm. to connect and we took advantage. So I'm very grateful for that. Great. Me too. Me too. Thank you so much. You're so welcome. Thank you for listening to the Dive into Reiki podcast. You can read a full transcript of today's interview at diveintoreiki.com slash blog. If you found this episode helpful, please hit the subscribe button, leave me a review, or just share it with your friends. It makes all the difference. Thank you. Gracias. Merci.